0: live from the heartland and the crossroads of america it's tony Katz today so the numbers are in and the numbers are not good i mean i guess if you wanted to be a silver lining person you'd say inflation year over year is down but that means you didn't do anything involving reading a report you didn't take a look at at what the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics is putting out there. You didn't take a look at the fact that, while, yes, inflation is 8.2% down from last month in terms of the year-over-year, that the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, was up 0.4% in September, more than the 0.1% in August. And you're looking at that core CPI, that 6.6. You mean you're not looking at food and energy prices? Because if you look at food and energy prices... Things are as bad as you have known they are because your pocketbook, your wallet has been telling you. And you know that there are going to be people in the Biden administration who want to spin this story like it's Hanukkah and they're playing dreidel. Look at how good this economy is going. I mean, I have got clip after clip after clip after clip of this White House trying to tell you recession Well, there's no recession.
1: Um, And then yesterday we had the president saying that um, in his interview with Jake Tapper, I think, that if there's going to be a recession, it'll be a small one, which I think is a change from what he said previously, which he thinks there's not, which he said there wasn't going to be a recession. So are you changing, are you preparing, you know, for job losses? I mean, how, what's, is the posture changing on the economy based on what we're expecting? To take
2: the... One part of your question first, um, So, which is what the president said last night on, uh, during his interviews. Look, the president has been pretty um, consistent, has said multiple times in the past, while a recession is possible, he does not think there will be a recession.
0: That's White House Press Secretary Cringe John pierre yeah. That's right. I say cringe, not Corinne. It's Cringe John pierre But you and I, we're living in this. This is a recession. Tony Katz, great to be with you. Tony Katz, today, Dr. Matt Will joins us, economist at the University of Indianapolis. I got with him early because I want to understand this report because some people, they'll say, oh, look, there's a little bit of sunshine here, doctor. They'll say there's a little bit of sunshine and you've got uh, the, the overall year over year going down. I read into this a little bit. I don't see sunshine. What do you see?
3: You know, Tony, when I first saw the report, I saw a little bit of sunshine and then when I read the report in detail, I about fell out of my chair, and I understand why the market went down 500 points In the, the futures. they got into the details. Yeah, yeah in the, in the, 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 futures, the r- Right there market.
0: in the future. I'm not sure where it is right now, but right there in, in the futures. What in the details got to you?
3: Well, what I noticed is, Tony, you know how we had the slight dip in energy that's now going back up? Well, that's in the report. So if you remove energy, we had a 40-year high in core inflation. Tony, a 40-year high. And that doesn't even include some of the sub-energy things, such as natural gas. Natural gas, Tony, is up 34% annualized, 34%. Tony, that's what you use to heat your homes. That's what Europe, That's why Europe is going is to freeze to death this winter, because they don't have natural gas. And this administration is banning, let me say that again, Tony banning the exploration and exporting of natural gas. They're causing a 34% increase. They're causing the core uh, food to go still go up eight, 11%. There's a lot of problems in here, Tony, and the market doesn't
0: like it. So let's start with, with a basic you have CPI and then you have core CPI consumer price index. Why do we split them up into these two categories?
3: Well, because Tony, the, the core is what is an indicator of what's coming in the future. Um, Energy is very volatile. We've seen that. People now realize it. So we try to remove that energy component to make it say, okay, what is really happening underneath the surface? Remove this volatile item. And so that core CPI is what's much more important to us. And that is what's at a 40-year high. And the administration is not going to notice that. Well, they notice it. They just don't want to tell you about it
0: talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis. Let's talk about the numbers that are affect our every day, which are those energy and food prices. Volatile or not, that's what we live with. In the food index, which rose 0.8% for the month, which was the same as it did in August, it's up 11.2% from a year ago. I get the feeling that somehow that number is not actually indicative of of the reality. When I stare at that, based on what I anecdotally see at a supermarket, I get the feeling that prices are certainly far more above that. Is there is Do these numbers sometimes lag behind the trend or am I just feeling it versus what a reality is? And even though that number is still no, damn but,
3: huge. And Tony, no, you're correct, Tony. The, the numbers that we get are a slight lag. That's why you see energy prices in this thing down when you and I both know that at the pump in the last two weeks, they've gone up. So there is a slight lag, and you're 100% correct in what you see and what you feel when you go to the grocery store.
0: On that energy side, could you bring up a good point? The energy, you you brought about natural gas. You brought up that conversation. But the energy also involves gas prices. We had had AAA, over a month ago, before the gas prices started going up, warn that gas prices this winter the slower season for travel could get to $5 a gallon. Then we had the refinery issue in Indiana that led to an increase in prices in the Midwest, Indiana being amongst those states because the refinery was in Indiana. But now we're seeing this nationwide rebuild on prices. Is this a lack of oil in the market, meaning OPEC's reduction of 2 million barrels a day? Or is this a uh, something else that's creating this energy price increase?
3: No, Tony, it, it's it's demand and it's it's um, supply. And I want to clarify something. You said OPEC plus is decreasing supply. That's not true. It's OPEC plus, plus Biden because Biden has banned the exploration. He's banned new leases on public lands and waterways. So Biden is in the same boat with OPEC in, in reducing the supply. So, yes, Tony. That is what we're seeing, a reduction in supply, and we're going to see an increase in gasoline prices. But let's not forget the most important thing is that is how to heat your home in the winter. That's something we need to talk about, Tony. That scares me.
0: Now, now, before we, 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 we move on, because we should get to the heat thing, I have been discussing on television and other places, people are going to choose between heat or eat. But when you talk about the Biden administration, because this happened to me, I didn't get a chance to respond to it. I was on Fox News uh, last last weekend where uh, this this Democrat I was discussing things uh, with said that we are a a energy exporter. We're a positive energy exporter, that we're putting energy into the market. But as you have noted, we're putting out less energy into the market under Joe Biden than we did under Donald Trump.
3: That's just a mathematical fact. I don't know who's saying this and what they're reading, but I can tell you exactly the amount of field oil production that we have in the United States today 12 you know million barrels it was 13 million barrels I, I don't know you know maybe because i'm a math nerd i can understand this and people can't but 12 is less than 13 tony
0: what why wasn't yes, i, I know notified
3: 12 is less than 13 you I, might want to write that down
0: yeah you might want to seriously you might want to get a calculator take off your shoes whatever it takes we mock because, I mean, it, you either laugh or, or, or you cry. There is a remarkable level of seriousness here. And and sometimes uh, you, uh, surprisingly to me, do a very good job at mocking the administration and others who don't seem to tend towards reality. But this heating oil conversation and the idea of heat or eat uh, when you talk about in the United States when you talk about it in, in, in Europe, this is a very serious issue. Um what is uh, your calculation uh, or what is uh, the perceived conversation or perceived calculation of the level of those price increases as we get more into the winter months november december the, the 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 heart of it in in january are we going to see massive spikes or have have the markets already figured in the increase as you often talk about they've already baked it in and this is where we're at
3: you know, I like, Tony, how you, you very sneakily hit in that map. Give me a forecast. Give me a prediction. Oh, I, yeah, I know. Every um, time. Every time. <laughs> but I, I can tell you this. They've already baked in a lot of it. I don't know how much more is to come, but I can tell you this. This month, the annualized rate of natural gas increase in prices is 34.8%. Tony, I don't know if that's baked in or I don't know if there's more to come, but that's a disaster. I don't care how you look at it, Tony. That's a disaster. But i got to ask you a question. Are, are the progressives just stupid or evil? Because natural gas is clean energy. People, they see the word gas and they think dirty. Natural gas is a clean, burning energy source. Why are the progressives trying to destroy a clean, burning energy source? Are, are they out for power or are they really out to save the environment?
0: Well, let me give you now a, a pushback on that. Let me give you a pushback on that and, and engage in something that the administration often talks about, that we have out there for these uh, oil and gas companies, these leases, and the problem is the oil and gas companies aren't utilizing the leases, they aren't doing the exploration. How do you How do you respond, uh, as an economist, to that argument? You know, Tony, I,
3: I, I don't want to scream too loud, but my response is it's a lie, because I read the January 20, 2021 Executive Order on Protecting the Environment Act. I gave you some of the details the other day. There's a laundry list, DOE delaying approval of natural LNG permits. The Department of Interior canceling lease on federal lands and waterways. The NEPA Act is used to delay oil permits for two years. They're delaying natural gas permits under the Natural Gas Act as public needs statute for two years. I, Tony, this is just factual information. They're lying. I can read the president's own executive order to you. I just read it. If this is like three thirteen minus 12. Two people can they not read.
0: Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis, D-R-Matt Will, M-A-T-T-W-I-L-L, Dr. Matt Will, on the Twitter box is where you find him. Was there anything within these numbers? Because some of the things that we didn't go uh, and and discuss, transportation services uh, up 1.9%, 14.6% up on an annual basis, and I'm not quite sure what they mean by transportation. Medical care costs rose another 1% in September. Go over that transportation number with me if you could. 14.6% on an annual basis, that's year over year, up 1.9%. How do we define transportation? Transportation.
3: The transportation services, Tony, are things that you go and get, such as a bus or an airplane or a train. So those are the things that the consumer gets. That's why you zeroed in on a very important number. You and I, when we try to go on vacation after the end of the lockdowns, we're paying significantly more for our airfares. You go on a bus ride to Chicago, you're paying significantly more. You're going on a train. That's what services are. So transportation services, Uber, taxi, anything that you're not doing yourself. So that's a bad number for a growing economy, Tony.
0: Well, it's certainly a bad number for a guy who is trying to go on vacation this winter and is like, I don't think, I don't think I, I can, I can afford it. I don't think I can get there. Uh, be- before I let you go, uh, you often discuss. The markets as uh, drug users and and they they want to read everything rosy into this and they they still haven't gotten into the fact that we're in a, a bad place and Wall Street being different than Midwest Main Street. We know that the federal fund rates, federal funds rate, right now is between three and three and a quarter percent. We know uh, that Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, has said he's looking for a target of four point six percent. And we know people have been decrying the uh, rising interest rates, where you've got thirty-year fixed now over six point eight percent. But there's clearly more interest rate hikes to come. In your view, have the interest rate hikes done anything? to slow inflation, and do these numbers that we have prove that the rising interest rates is working, we have to keep at it, or the rising interest rates haven't yet done their job and we need to really increase even more than that 4.6% federal funds rate number, which is the number that banks use to lend in between themselves?
3: Well, Tony, I'm gonna do like a politician and answer the question you didn't ask. Um, Yes, they're doing their job, But the head economist at Bank of America said something very good yesterday. He said, the road is gonna get bumpier. It's not just up to the Fed to bring down inflation. We expect help from other areas. Tony, the Fed's doing everything they can. They're doing it. The problem, as this economist from Bank of America said, it is up to other people to help. And what does that mean? The administration, the White House, the Congress, they have to stop spending money like drunken sailors. That's, I'm sorry, that's not the direct answer you were looking for, but the Fed can't do it on their own, Tony. And that's the message that every economist out there is starting to say.
0: Is it the expectation of economists that the Federal Reserve will increase their target for the federal funds rate more than 4.6 percent?
3: Um, I don't know what every economist thinks, Tony, but my, my opinion is yes, because they're fighting the administration and the administration's not doing their part. So the Fed is going to ramp it up. And the addict is not going to get the cheap money they're looking for. And that's why the market futures are down. At this second, it fluctuates 493. Tony, 493 within a few minutes of this report because the addict isn't going to get its cheap money because the Fed has got to fight the administration.
0: Dr. Matt Will, M-A-T-T-W-I-L-L-D-R. Matt Will on Twitter is where you find him. Economist, University of Indianapolis. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz. I will not allow this to be spun like somehow I am a fan, a supporter, or respectful of Alex Jones. I'm willing to riot over this. Guys, I am willing to come to the fisticuffs on this subject. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. What I am is um, I, I am questioning this judgment regarding Alex Jones claiming that the shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary School was a hoax and they were all actors and everything else, the verdict was for $965 million. I want to take a breath for just a moment because there are two subjects that are worthy uh, of conversation, right? There, there, there are two subjects at play here. First things first, there is the the, the recognition that Alex Jones is a Wait, hold on. There's a Latin term I'm looking for. Scumbag. I am not a fan. I'm not, I'm not worried if people are upset with me. I never said he couldn't be on air. I never said he couldn't say the things that he says. You always deal with the consequences of your actions. I am saying that based on my observation of his actions, and I've discussed them before, not my guy. Never been my guy. Scumbag. My take. Moving on. You can argue that claiming these people are actors was nonsense. You can argue that he was an ugly dude. You can argue that he put these people through a bunch of heartache. These parents, these family members, I, I, I don't say no to that. $965 million? Where, where, does, that, where does that number come from? Does that number engage an actual type of calculation of the defamation to the, 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 the equality? That, that defamation equals this, or is it, hey, it's Alex Jones, let's go teach him a lesson. I am not interested in courts of law that are engaged in teaching lessons. That freaks me out. That's not a republic, that's a banana republic. My question is not to whether or not you want to say that Alex Jones is guilty of defamation. I think you could actually, uh, to, to many levels, uh, at least prove that he's despicable and that he engaged in falsehoods and knowingly did so. $965 million. Let me ask, if, if I were to question a COVID vaccine, and I were to say, I don't think this COVID vaccine works. I think this is ridiculous. Am I now in the, in the precedent for defamation of a vaccine and they're based on where the, the cultural uh, underpinnings are and what we find acceptable and what we find, yeah, let's teach them a lesson. Yeah, that's just wrong. Oh, we can't allow that. The, 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 the court's acting almost as the silencing mechanism. That's a little bit of the feel I get from this judgment that the court was engaging in a silencing mechanism. See, don't say things like this. I don't say things like this. Something about this that gives me some unease, man. Unease about that verdict. Saying Alex Jones is is a lowlife doesn't give me any unease at all. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. We speak so often... We speak so often about elections going on all across the country, we forget that we have our own. Tony Katz, good to be with you. TonyKatz.Locals.com if you're looking for more stuff. On me, of course, you've got that secretary of state race. Of course, you've got a senate race going on. And then you've got the congressional races happening all over the state, including in the seventh district. Congressman Andre Carson is the incumbent running against him. Republican Angela Gabrowski, who joins us uh, right now. Angela for Indiana. Dot .com that's f o r angela for indiana uh, dot .com and we've spoken before and talked about uh, uh this race so first let's get a state of the race because honestly we're not hearing much about the 7th district how is it going in in your view and um what do you think it still might take how do you feel about taking on a guy who is so entrenched
2: <laughs> Good morning Tony and thank you for inviting me again. Uh, it seems like you're the only one who in Indianapolis who has the guts uh to allow me to speak. Uh you know, talking about the race for the last 2 months we've been trying to uh get a debate going with Carson. Uh we asked every TV station, every radio station in town Uh, to host the debate, and we've got absolutely nothing. Everybody in Indianapolis lives in fear of Carson and uh, his dynasty. I have no idea why, but uh, it is a reality. Everybody is afraid of uh, repercussions. What is going to happen if I will lose and he will stay in power? What can he do to us? Uh, I met uh, a lot of business owners who wouldn't give us donations because they're afraid that their name is going to be on the roster and uh, he will know that they donated to the campaign. I met with clergy who doesn't want to be seeing in public with me uh, because they're afraid of losing funds. What is happening in Indianapolis? Everybody's afraid. I feel like uh, there is a mafia that's taking over the city. So where do we live? Uh, so I, I'm seriously very grateful that uh, you invited me to the show. Uh, two weeks ago, I decided that enough is enough, and I'm going to go to Carson's office and uh, take a letter to him personally asking him for the debate. Uh, I've used all my language skills. I basically told him we this is imperative for our democracy, that people here... You defending your record uh, and me explaining my vision. When I got to his office two weeks ago, the security guard basically told me that Carson hasn't been in the office for two and a half years and it's been closed for COVID.
0: Now we should uh, we should be clear about something, Angela. You have a video. You have sent me the video. Uh, the video has these guards, uh, and and I I need to do more with it. Uh, take another look at it. These guards are saying to you on video that Andre Carson hasn't been in, in at least that office in two and a half years.
2: Exactly. So I I was absolutely stunned speechless he hasn't been servicing his constituency people are telling me that they're sending him emails he gets uh, with their issues with their questions he sends them just a the standard thank you for contacting us no issues have been solved and solved and at the same time uh, democrats are going to be voting for him uh, they all basically looking at me like, how dare are you uh, to go against Carson?
0: Talking to Angela Gabrovsky. she is running for Congress in the 7th Congressional District of Indiana, going against Democrat Congressman Andre Carson. Angela for Indiana, that's F-O-R, Angela for Indiana uh, dot com. And and you make at least one good point that a lot was made of Diego Morales, uh, candidate for secretary of state, not participating in... In a debate, it got uh, major coverage, but you're asking for a debate with Congressman Andre Carson, and uh, many of the institutional powers that be in media don't seem uh, to care about that. But let's get into where the constituents of the 7th District, what is it that they are telling you are the issues, and where is it that you believe you've got a better vision for the 7th and for the country than Congressman Carson?
2: So uh, No matter where we go, whether it's minority communities, every community, but primarily urban, there are four things that everybody talks to me about. It's food deserts, banking deserts, housing deserts, and the political deserts. I feel like these people, all these people live in Sahara. Uh, People don't have the stores to go buy groceries. They're buying their groceries for dinner at the gas stations, paying double the price and uh, still not getting healthy food. All of the banks left the area. Businesses are not coming into the area because of the crime. And Ryan Mears sitting at the debate and telling everybody that 70% of crime in Indianapolis goes unreported because people live in fear. So it's the same thing. Uh, People live in fear. Imagine if that 70% was actually recorded where indianapolis would be we're the second in the amount of murders uh nationwide as of last year per capita after philadelphia we are (laughs) second and chicago is third this is unreal what are they doing with our city so
0: here's the question Here's the question, Angela, because I get the passion and I don't think that you're wrong, that these are things that are affecting people. Even when I disagree about things like food deserts, I can understand that that's what you're hearing from constituents. The question is, as a member of Congress, what is the Angela Gabrowski method? How do you bring help to the 7th District? What are the plans or policies or ideas for doing that?
2: Tony, we have to start, number one, with energy dependence. And I hope that everybody understands That unless we're energy independent, the gas and food prices will continue going up. This is number one. Number two, we have to get the right prosecutors everywhere all around the country and support them. So we don't have that soft on crime policy anymore because people cannot live in their communities. Businesses cannot thrive in their communities unless crime is taken care of. And uh, number three, we need to put all of the resources into the education and economic opportunities in our areas. Andre Carson has been taking a bill to the Congress every year asking for Uh, resources to take care of the food deserts. And guess what happens? This bill doesn't even go to the committee because he never crosses the aisle. He gets between 16 and 20 Democrats to support him. He votes 100 percent with Democrats. One party cannot have all of the answers. We need somebody who is going to be in the middle and who is going to be finding allies in both parties. So it's It's impossible to bring a solution, to bring prosperity to anywhere in the country, to Indianapolis, if you stick to the one party and keep them in control. And this is what I tell Democrats locally. I mean, see what is happening. You have one party control in our cities, for so many years, it's not getting better, it's getting worse. Why are you not looking at the person who has the passion, who has the intellectual capacity, who has the desire to help? Why are you only looking at the skin color?
0: That is Angela Grabowski, uh, just part of the interview. You can catch the whole thing at wibc.com. Angela Grabowski, Angela for Indiana, F-O-R, Angela for Indiana uh, dot com is where you find... Her, I, I don't know why more people aren't paying attention to the seventh race. I don't know why the Republican Party isn't putting more effort into it, but I don't know if I'm necessarily surprised. Keep it here. Much more to get to. I'm Tony Katz. We reported yesterday a story out of the Indianapolis Business Journal, Mickey Shuey, reporting that a group called Direct Connect Logistics is going to take 52,000 square feet Inside the Circle Center Mall, the former Nordstrom space. And that's where they're going to put their new offices. And then they've got a first-rate refusal on basically another 52,000 square feet. Is this the future of Circle Center Mall? Is the future being this business hub? Because this is great news for Indianapolis. Great news for downtown businesses, who, especially those who sell things like lunch or a coffee But how does one make this decision? Tony Katz, good to be with you. Nick Likens joins us right now. He's the president of Direct Connect Logistics, Inc. And, sir, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. What makes a decision in this market with what you see in Indianapolis happening on a daily basis to say downtown in the Circle Center Mall, that's where our future is?
1: You know, for us you know we've we've had some roots uh, at direct connect in downtown Indianapolis for years now founded back in 2009 uh, I've been here for a long time um, you know obviously with the merger and acquisition of Hoosier logistics another Indianapolis based company um, it was an opportunity really for us to merge uh, these companies together and when we went out to the market to look for a potential new space uh, you know we wanted to provide a best-in-class office for our employees and and when we started started to look around the Circle Center Mall, uh, opportunity came up, and it was an opportunity, you know, we've kind of uh, came up with this focus of work, live, play, you know, a thing we, we love about Indianapolis is how walkable it is, uh, and the amount of amenities that we were able to bring to our employees in this space, uh, not only in the office, but with restaurants in the mall, um, and some of the redevelopment they're doing, and then obviously the, the local businesses that surround the area was kind of uh, what tipped us over the edge.
0: What were the worries about safety in downtown Indianapolis? Were there any? And how do you overcome those?
1: Yeah. No, I think that's always a concern. Um, you know, we've, we've had conversations. One of the nice uh, parts of, of the Circle Center Mall is there is security 24-7. Um, so, our employees, you know, from a, from a parking perspective, it's all underground. They don't have to go outside. Um, so, that was a, a huge help for our after-hours employees. We are a 24-7 office. Uh, so, that was a, a huge plus. And then just having that on-site security uh, was, was important to us. And then, Obviously, from a community standpoint, you know we hope to work with the city to be able to continue to kind of revamp downtown and, and help with any of those security initiatives we can to make it a safer place for not only our employees, but the community.
0: Talking to Nick Likens, president of Direct Connect Logistics. They're gonna be coming downtown, bringing their employees with them, 52,000 square feet. How many employees are there and how many are you about to hire? Or am I, uh, am I jumping the gun on that one?
1: No, so 250 employees uh, based in Indianapolis. We all have, uh, we do have some additional locations in Salt Lake City, Dallas, and Fort Wayne. In this Indianapolis location, we're looking to bring on 150 employees uh, within the next year, really, by the end of 2023. And then, like you said earlier, we have an opportunity to take additional space uh, in the Circle Center Mall. So as soon as we fill it up, we have uh, all the plans uh, kind of in place to, to start to continue to grow and and bring on additional um, high-paying positions.
0: You take this space in this space, and of course, uh, there's been a massive conversation about what to do about Circle Center Mall. It was an incredible invention, innovation, when business owners got together and said, we need something downtown to bring people downtown. Let's go build this thing. I mean, uh, across the country, you don't hear a story like that. And then it was a question of, as it's been open, available, almost vacant in a lot of ways for years. What's to come of it? You now come in. Is this the future of Circle Center Mall? This is going to become an office hub as opposed to more of an entertainment hub for the city?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it's um, something that we definitely talked about with Circle Center. You know, their plans aren't uh, official yet, but I think they've you know definitely understood that they're going to have to change their model a little bit from you know all retail to bring in other uh, office tenants, whether it's um, you know residential as well through condos, apartments, whatever that may be, hotels. Um, I think that's what excited us. They're open to uh, out you know thinking outside of the box and and. We were kind of the start of that, so hopefully we can help revamp you know their vision for what they have uh, for for their property and and downtown overall. You talk
0: about the city. Were there any considerations given to you by the city of Indianapolis to bring this many employees downtown?
1: So there wasn't necessarily anything from the city. We, uh, we do work with uh, the edge credit uh, with the state of Indiana. So uh, both companies, Direct Connect and Hoosier Logistics, had edge credits in place, and, and we have combined those and had some opportunities to bring on additional credits for the growth opportunities, bringing on the additional jobs uh, here in Indiana.
0: For those who don't know, describe what an edge credit is.
1: Yes, yeah, so it's a it's an opportunity for a company that's investing in the state, bringing on um, additional employees to receive a tax credit uh, based on the employees that they hire in any given year. So we have to you know prove or show that we are uh, investing in the in the state and then we receive a credit at the end of the year.
0: Edge refers to economic development for a growing economy. That's correct. That's what that means. You, you can like it or not like it, uh, guys, in terms of tax credits, you can't take you can't be angry at the company for taking advantage of the opportunity so nothing from the city of indianapolis um it, what were they were there discussions with the city of indy was there ever a conversation with mayor joe Hoggs and any members of the city county council about you coming or this was done outside of that conversation
1: so it was done outside of that conversation. It was. It all moved rather quickly. Honestly, um, we'd love to have a conversation with the mayor at this point. Uh, now that we we do know we are moving downtown, um, and see what we can do to work together to, you know, like we said, continue to revamp the downtown community.
0: The, the plan that you have, you're, you're putting in a, a gym for your employees, it's this open uh, a concept, but you talk about what you can do for the city. You got a vision? Is there, is there things you'd like to see done? Is this is this Direct Connect looking to create other investments into retail shops within the mall? What What do you want to do?
1: Yeah, I think for us, it's hopefully we're the trendsetter uh, showing that we are fully committed to investing in downtown and kind of pushing other companies, retail uh, office space to invest not only in the mall, but also the downtown area. You know, we want to be able to. Yeah,
0: I was going to ask, how are you going to get employees to come downtown? I got about 60 seconds for you. How do you get them to come back to work? Are they excited to come back to an office?
1: Yeah, I think that was the whole goal with building out this new space. We, you know, we know it's a hot topic item of work from home versus being in office. So we wanted to make sure when we were developing and designing this space through the help of shot design that we had a best in class workplace. Like you said, we have an open floor concept, a full service gym, a golf simulator. So it's kind of that work hard, play hard environment and, you know, a best in class opportunity to develop and and, uh, retain talent.
0: That's Nick Likens, Direct Connect Logistics. I appreciate Nick taking the time. I, look, I want Indianapolis growth, but you can't deny the Indianapolis problems. This is a huge opportunity for Indy, although I'm not so sure how I feel about Circle Center Mall being a, well, just a, an office building. I would like for it to have some more entertainment connection and opportunities. That's that's me. That That is me, and maybe maybe it's a mix. But I'm not going to say no to this. Possibly taking over 100,000 square feet, bringing people back downtown. It's good for business. It's good for the city. And it can help with safety. Because maybe it'll force the city of Indianapolis to protect more people. Oh, wow. I guess maybe we have to do this from a prosecutor standpoint, from a mayor's standpoint. Can't be a hamstring in police. You got to be supportive. Find everything. Tonycats.locals.com. Tonycats.locals. Dot .com tomorrow everyone take care